You're listening to the Agony Column News Report, trashotroncom agony. The new book by Roz Chast is, Why Can't We Talk About Something More Pleasant? Roz, can you read to me from the book? My father was released from the hospital after a week, but his needs exceeded the level of care that assisted living could provide. He was put in a nursing home just down the hill from the place where he'd stay until he was recovered enough to be reunited with my mother. The nursing home was pretty depressing. There are no attempts to disguise what it was. No sofas, no sconces, no oriental-style carpets, just linoleum floors and institutional color paint on the walls and hospital beds. There was a nurse's station in the middle of the floor, which was always surrounded by five or six very old, very out-of-it-looking people. Once I was walking by the station, and a woman in one of the wheelchairs cried out to me, Water! Please get me some water! I went to get her some, but a nurse stopped me in the nick of time. And here I have a drawing of this nurse running over to me, and her arms are just windmilling, and she yells, Wait! Don't give her that water! She's just going to throw it on the floor! Roz, this is a wonderful look at your relationship with your parents and your relationship with your parents in their final years. I'd like you to talk about discovering your past relationship, your childhood, as you explored your current relationship with your parents when you realized that you had to start spending more time with them. Well, one thing that I came to realize was that even though on some ideal planet you'd like to think that by the time you get to be a certain age, all past grievances have been forgotten and you can sort of step into the shoes of Florence Nightingale and become this kind, giving person who never has any sort of impatience or resentment, that's much easier in theory than in reality. Also, basically, they, my parents' personalities did not change in old age. They just became more of who they were. So, and we all sort of became, we all, none of us had really changed that much. It wasn't like because time had gone by, we suddenly had morphed into a sort of movie of the week version of ourselves, where they were like, you know, sort of these wonderful, kind old people, and and I was this like lovely, wonderful daughter, and everything was just bathed in this sort of amber glow of wonderfulness. It was it was not that at all. It was real reality. Talk about making the decision to move them out of their apartment and into the place. That it took a while. It was really sort of at the very end when it became very clear that living in their apartment was not really an option anymore. My father, as I said earlier, was leaving the stove on. My mother, he was becoming more senile. And my mother, although he, he didn't he wasn't completely senile at all, it was just he was getting very, very forgetful. And my mother was becoming physically frailer. She had been in the hospital for two weeks, and when she got out of the hospital and she came back to the apartment, just walking from the bedroom to the living room, and it was a small apartment, was exhausting. And taking a trip down the hallway was exhausting. And they did not go out and go shopping 
for food anymore. Meals on Wheels came to them, and I brought them food. And sometimes the neighbors would pick up a quart of milk. And then at the end, my mother fell. She she was falling a lot, and she had, a, of course, a, one of those life alert pendants, but then she didn't, didn't want to use it because she didn't want to go to the hospital. And, you know, she just really hated the idea of going to the hospital. She said, that's where you go to die. So she didn't use it anymore. And so my father could not pick her up off the floor if she fell. So then he would go out and get help. And sometimes he was able to call the super, and the super would come up and get her off the floor. But sometimes the super wasn't there. And then the last time, he went out looking for help, and nobody was home in the hall. And I don't know what happened. He somehow got disoriented. And he did eventually get back to the apartment. But I think that that was a sort of yet another wake-up call to them that it was time for them either to get 24-hour live-in help or move to a place that was near me. And I don't think they really consider the 24-hour live-in help very seriously because I wasn't living close enough. And that was just kind of scary. It's kind of scary, like if your parents are two and a half hours away from you and you can't be there to check on them more than like at most once a week then you're totally trusting that the person staying with them and the agency is going to be doing a good enough job. And at least if they were near me, I could stop in on them like every other day or every third day or every day or depending on what was going on. So we eventually, I eventually moved them into a place which was 10 minutes from me. I'd like you to talk about uh, the money because the money is plays a part in this book, and I think it's an important part that we need to think about. Well, I think my parents had saved up for it, and it all went. It's kind of a black comedy. I mean, this is is the story with everybody that I know who has parents who go to a place. It's no matter whether, if they haven't saved anything, if they just have the house, they'll take the house. If they don't even have a house and they have nothing, then you have a choice as their child to either go into your own savings, which maybe you've like saved for your kids to go to college or for your own, you know, end of life care. And, or you, you know, leave it up to the government. And I don't know what kind of um, facilities are available, available for people who are fully funded by the government. But I know that when my parents went into this place, they their income was looked at very closely. I had to bring tax returns for the last few years. Their pensions had to be documented. I mean, they wanted to make sure that my parents were going to be able to pay. It's money is, it's, you just, it all goes at the end for this, for basically uh, not dying, lying in a bed and having somebody, um, clean you. I've been speaking with Roz Chast. Her new book is Why Can't We Talk About Something More Pleasant? Thank you for joining me, Roz. Thank you. This is Rick Cleffel with Time to Read. Find out more at agonycalm.com. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report, trashotron.com slash agony.